Hi, welcome to Living the Liminal Show. I am Christy Peck, an intuitive life coach, a spiritual guide, and an author and writer. I have changed those titles so many times I have lost count. Titles and losing ourselves in those titles is limiting. There is more to what you see outside of you. And there is much more to what's on the inside of you. You are infinite wisdom and you have an inner intelligence that is simply genius. This show is about vulnerability to share our stories and the courage it requires to live in the present moment with mystical insight and wisdom. This life we are living will always bring us uncharted and unknown moments. You as infinite wisdom will sustain these lived experiences with fierce love and radical authenticity. Living consciously can be daunting in a world filled with so many distractions. This show is nourishment for the soul as we boldly and courageously live the liminal every day. Living the liminal has magical energy that can help us rise from the messy and conditioned aspects to security in our worth, safety in our compassion, and wildly capturing our truth. This is how we arrive at an uncensored peace, a true joy, and a sense of freedom to our own belonging. I am so glad you are here. Hi, my friends. Welcome to Living the Liminal this week. I'm so glad you're here. Um, you know, like we've talked a lot about living the liminal is really being in the space in between like what you had in the past or past experiences and where you're headed in the future, right? It can also be like who you thought you were to who you thought you should be to who you think you need to be to who you think you're becoming and, and all of that thinking stuff. It can also be living in the liminal just about being and not having to really think through anything. And what's so exciting today is I have a guest that we're really going to talk about this concept of thinking in terms of being, in terms of what do we want out of our life? And, and that's really about living the liminal is this in-between space of really not knowing and yet you know, because you always know, you have knowing within you. So I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Melissa. She is a dear, you're going to love her. Uh, Melissa is an international best-selling author. Cannot wait to talk to her about that because you know we always have stories to tell. She's a speaker. She's an intuitive life coach. So we just have hit it off recently um, in some very miraculous, magic ways. Um, she helps people unclutter their minds, literally uncomplicate their lives and unlock their highest potential. She has an uncanny ability to help people find clarity amidst chaos, and she shows them how to get what they want and believe that they are worthy of it. That's huge. That's a big part. She is also the co-founder of The Healing Table, which is a group coaching program, and I'm going to let her share more about that. And she's the creator and facilitator of the Unwind Your Mind virtual retreat, which is where she and I connected, and I'm going to let her explain more about that too. So Melissa, welcome to Living the Liminal Show. Thanks, Christy. It's so great to be here. I've been waiting for this for a long time. I know. So it's so funny because like we just hit it off when you contacted me to be on the Unwind Your Mind virtual retreat. So 
let's kind of take a little step back. And I want the audience to, you know, one of the things we talk about is whatever we're doing. So whatever you're doing that you are bringing to the world, it finds you almost like a hide and seek kind of game, right? It finds you. How did your work doing what you're doing right now in service to the world, how did it find you? Tell us that story. That's such a loaded question because I, I, could, I could start in like 20 different places because it's been looking for me my whole life. And I think it found me the day that I stopped searching for the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I have been searching okay, my whole there. life. Explain more. Yeah, I've been searching my whole life for something different than what I had. No matter what I was doing, where I was, no matter how good everything was or how bad everything was, I wanted something else. Mm -hmm. I never, ever, ever was completely fulfilled or satisfied with what I had. And I think probably, like I said, there's so many parts of places we could start. But let's start at the time that I sold my business when I was 47. I built this business from, um, from the ground up. I started in my basement. And by the time I sold it, it was a thriving business with 18 full-time employees. Like pretty much I ticked off every box I'd ever wanted to tick off. In addition to feeling physically fit, healthy, two great kids, a husband and marriage, like enough money and couldn't wait to sell the business. So it wasn't like I was sad that the business was sold. I was so over it by the time I got to a certain point. And finally, after a, a few days of just like really moping around, my husband turned to me and said, are you ever going to be happy? Mm. I looked at him, I'm like, I don't know. That's a loaded question right there. Well, and I think he wanted to punch me as he was saying it. And, he, and he, fair enough. Like, yeah. I, I'm, no, I want to do this. I go ahead and do this. And no, no, no. Now I want to do this. And I want to do this. Like from career change to career change to, you know, to move here, to move there, geography, everywhere. And I remember even one of the, one of the things that my mom said to me at one point, she's like, you know, wherever you go, you're going to take yourself with you. Like stop running away. And, and it's like, I just didn't get it. So I think at that point, when he asked me that question, it was finally time to say enough's enough. I'm no longer like, like looking for the greener grass, searching for that pot of gold and understanding that, like, if you don't do the work within, you're going to end up without. And if I finally got it. That, okay. So just let's go back to that question. Are you ever going to be happy? So how did you used to find to define happiness like years and years before this moment how did you define happiness looking back i didn't mm -hmm. I, like when he asked me that question and i said i don't know i really was saying probably not it's taken this long and i have everything like everything you're saying is right everything you're asking me is right like you know another thing about my life too like you know talking about suicide it's 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 the slippery slope and I and I don't necessarily want to have that conversation but I spent almost all of my life from as far back as I could remember trying to figure out how I could leave this world so I how I could just not live here anymore but I didn't necessarily want to die I just wanted to not have to wake up every morning for the rest of my life but I didn't want to hurt anybody so I was caught I was trapped in this what more could you ask for versus I don't want any of it. And I don't know what I want, but I love everything I have. And it was just this, this continuous vortex of um, ambiguity and distress and, and voices that just wouldn't stop saying like, what a loser you are. Like, what more do you want? It sounds like you were in an energy of 
wanting to escape, like the energy of escape. You just wanted to escape. Like that yeah. maybe was the devotion. The devotion back then in seeking happiness was really the exact opposite, which was searching for ways to escape. And in the midst, if I search for ways to escape my reality, will that get me happiness? Which I think a lot of people do that. I think we're always juggling, kind of like a teeter-totter. We're always juggling this, if I escape this, it'll make me happy. If I escape this and get away, it'll make me happy. Like we're defining what we want only in terms of what we can get away from versus calling in something larger. Yeah, and that's very great, Christy. No one's ever really pointed it out to me that way. And I think you're right. And I have a story I want to tell you in addition to that, that will validate what you just said, which is incredibly insightful. Um, but the thing is, is you don't know what you don't know. I didn't know about work within. I didn't know that there was even a possibility I could ha be happy. I didn't even know if I could forgive myself for all the stupid things I'd said, done, experienced in my life as well. Like all the wasted opportunities, like, you know, all those things that you carry around with yourself just so that you can flog yourself with it for all the times where you just weren't enough, right? You got that big bag of, of reasons why you get to be not happy because you, you don't deserve it. Yeah. And you know, the other day I was having this thought that like deserving is still a little bit on the outside. Worthiness is what's on the inside because deserving is if I do something, then I deserve it. So I've got to go do and, and do and do and do to get what I want. But worthiness is really what I think we're seeking. Don't you kind of feel like that? hundred percent. In your journey? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And so, so to your point about escaping now, this is interesting. So when I sold my business, I, I don't know if I said this, but I was 47 mm -hmm. and I kept a little part of it before I let all of it go. So in this one, I was, I was out of town doing some work and one of my friends knew someone who was like, I guess a psychic. I'm not really sure what she was, but it was a phone call. She didn't know who I was. I didn't know who she was. And, and we got on the call and, um, she said to me, and when she says this, I want you to know that she didn't mean this as a, in an athletic sense. She said, I see you running. You're running and running and running. You, you, you're right. You've been running your whole life mm -hmm. and it's chasing you. It's, it's like this cyclone. It's like this hurricane, this big, dark cloud, and it's full of energy and it's following you. And the farther you run, the faster you run, the bigger it gets, the more intense it is. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's how I feel. Kind of like you said, like escaping or trying to run away. And she said, well, it just wants you to stop and turn around and face it. It, it has a message for you. It just wants you to stop and look into it. Wow. That was some yeah. really good wisdom because don't you think that the very thing we are trying to get away from is the very thing we need to take a look at and, 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 and sit with? and be with and look at. Yeah. Yeah. So it was massive for me uh, because, so I was like, yeah, like, what am I running away from? You know, I, I did a talk once to some graduating students of an MBA class. And, and I said to my life is like magnets, green, greener grass, um, pot of gold and um, four letter F word. And I said, and it's not the word you're thinking of. I'm like, my life is about trying to put 
two of the same ends of the magnet together. And the harder you try, like the more it won't go together. And then the greener grass, we just talked about the pot of gold. And that four letter F word is of course fear. Yeah. And those were the four themes of my life. And yeah, in a nutshell, she's like, just turn around and see what the message is. It's not as scary as you think. So when you stopped, which people, okay, let's be honest. Nobody wants to stop. We are so afraid of stopping and getting still. Why do you think that is? Like in your experience, why are we so literally deathly afraid of stopping and just letting our life communicate to us? Hmm. Maybe because we, we don't know what to do with it. Maybe because we don't know what it means. Like I remember when someone said, um, just let go. You just got, or just surrender. And it's like, surrender actually like, agitates me because surrender what does that mean I know what it means now but when someone said the word I could define it but until you actually get to the point where it, it, it like it aligns with your core yeah so it's, it's it's I guess it's it's that fear of the unknown I guess so why don't we stop because what are we going to do then because uh, for me all I knew was everything that I didn't know and didn't want sorry I knew everything that I didn't want and I didn't realize that that was the closest you could get to knowing everything you wanted and something as simple and obvious as that, until you get a coach or, or a therapist or someone who can actually show you that you're so close to that next breakthrough that you can't even believe it because you're so close, you can't see it. So I think that's why we don't stop because we don't know how powerful it is. Yeah, I know that my, I tell people a lot, what is it that you really want? Because if you can really get clear about that, it'll show you who you are. Like if you get the clarity around what you really want and desire, it will show you who you are because it just kind of comes about. So you, you talk about like this knowing and not knowing and knowing what you didn't want and you didn't realize that in knowing what you didn't want, which is the life you had been creating, that there was um, and, and a huge amount of knowing what you do want, you just, you just didn't trust your knowing. So how do you define knowing? Because that's a big buzzword right now. How do you define knowing? As in knowing what you want, you mean? Or, or even as in knowing. This inner knowing of something. How do you define someone's inner knowing? Well, okay. One of my, one of my favorite things to say, we can talk about this more in a little bit is when you feel yucky, you're really quite lucky. And so when you're feeling yucky, you actually have a knowing, you have a knowing that you're not aligned with something that your soul has set out for you, or that is part of what you're meant to be. So your knowing is when you feel good, when you feel aligned, when you feel that tingling, when you feel excitement, when you feel hope, when you feel grounded, when you no longer are wishing for something else or wanting something else or wanting something to be different or wanting some other person to be different or wanting your job. Like that's the knowing when you just feel like, you know, when you, when you, when you swaddle a baby, yeah, you get them all tied up in that thing. And they just like, that's the knowing you feel like that with your source. So why do you think we just don't trust it? Well, only here to that. Sorry. So why do you think we don't trust it? 
you don't know because we don't know what we don't know. I mean, so so when I stopped and I sold my business and my husband asked me that question, are you ever going to be happy? So that was a turning point for me. And, and so we sat down and we, and we made a plan. And so we agreed that I would take three months off of life. And I, at the time, my kids were like late teenagers and, you know, everybody was self-sufficient in our house. Right. And I was going to be allowed, allowed, given permission by everybody to take, thir- sorry, three months, like 90 days. I didn't have to cook, clean, make dinner, like do groceries. Wow. I didn't have to like, I was just, it was just me. I could read, I could meditate, I could journal, do yoga, things that I hadn't ever had time to do or tried to do or uh-huh. like, you know, tempted. And so I got about, so we, we did this and I wasn't going to commit to anything career wise until after I had that feeling about, cause I kind of lost who I was, which we can talk about too. Like I completely, when you took away all my titles, I, I had no idea who I was. And if I didn't know who I was, goodness knows my husband didn't know me. My mom and dad sure didn't know me. My kids didn't right. know me because I didn't know me. Right. So, okay. So, so I had these three months and I had this thing to do. Well, three or four days into it, I was a wreck because I felt so guilty. Who am I? Mm-hmm. Who am I to, to be having nothing to do when they're all slugging it out, getting through school and work and dealing with everything. Who am I? Like, I felt just like the worst mother, the worst wife, the worst person to be so selfish, right? Which we go through. That whole idea of guilty over the pleasure of life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like I'd asked for it all. Like we as a family gave this to me and I couldn't accept the gift. Well, I, I did, but to so accepting that gift was, was the first step of realizing just how bro- not broken, but how, how less than whole I was at the time. And so, you know, fast forward through all the things that I did and I get to the end of the three months, assuming that now I've done all this, I did all the things I was supposed to do. I should know who I am mm-hmm. and I should know my, I should, all, and you know, I got to the, the 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 person who had helped me set this whole thing up, and I was so angry. I was so frustrated, Christy. Wow. I was pissed off at the end of my three months because you were like, "Okay, I did this. I got still. I I took everything out of my life. I stopped being busy. I stopped desiring the want of external. Why am I not figuring this out?" Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and she said, "Exactly." The harder you try, the longer this is going to take. Because our minds are so good at creating the dissonance. Instead of wanting to just sit in the dissonance, we create the dissonance from the dissonance. We create the disruption and the distraction from actually the core being of who we are. Because our minds are that powerful. Yeah, and we've been brought up to to be attached to outcome you work hard in school you get higher marks you work harder in sports yes. you, you know you bring home more trophies and ribbons and that that attachment to outcome was the thing so I learned so the things that I learned is like at the end of those three months where I found out that it was so frustrating so then I thought then I started to take on little little jobs here and there and so I would be contributing to my family and I came back into the, the fold a bit more um, but I continued this for 30 more months till I pretty much journaled a miracle and it was through that process that I learned what surrender meant, not by definition, but by actually being. I learned what it was like to let go of attachment to outcome. It didn't mean I could do it, but at least I had the understanding of what it meant. Mm-hmm. So I could redirect as needed. And um, yeah, like life, 
I, 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 I'm not always happy every day, but I've, I don't think I ever thought I could be as happy as I am now. And so completely deeply fulfilled and knowing that I'm on the right path, even though I'm not every day perfectly on my path, I'm on the right path. Like I feel so different, but it took, took going through a lot of um, barbed wire fences. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great metaphor going through barbed wire fences because the whole act of transformation, when we really authentically come into our own sense of knowing and we trust it and we connect to it every day, that sometimes can feel like going through barbed wire fences. There is a lot of openings and closings and reopenings and reclosings and endings and beginnings and painful kinds of awarenesses and, and the mystic aspect of uncovering parts of ourselves that we've destroyed or hidden and they have to come back. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also a beautiful story. You know, it's a great story, but like even as recently as yesterday, there was a barbed wire fence in my path, you know, and, and, and I, you know, I thought that I did my, my due diligence to, to gently get through it. And no, I, I, you know, I tore through it cut open a few things along the way, but here I am today. Right. And, and I'm, and I'm way better. And I know I'm probably a little bit, the I am wiser because of it, but yeah, it doesn't ever stop. We're always, we're always growing. Right. Well, I kind of think that's another one of those myths that is as a human, we believe there is an end result because of our, the, the conditioning, right? So you go to school, we learn this early on, you go to school and you study um, multiplication, let's say. And so the teacher starts to, this is my education background. The teacher starts to like introduce multiplication. You learn it for a while. You take a test to see if you've mastered it. Then all of a sudden you're like, boom, you're off to the next subject. So in some ways we're conditioned in our society, in our human society that, oh my gosh, we should one, get it, to show our mastery and then move on to the next thing and have it never come back again. And it's like, well, that's not really the way true, authentic growth and an and evolution happen. If you look at historically what evolution really is, it all cycles back around. It's just cycles and seasons. Yeah, it's so true. Just maybe a different intensity of yeah. the same story. Or a different lens or a different color yeah, or a different yeah. shape, or it just is going to come in. And what we, what I think the metaphor has to include, or the myth has to include is that each time it comes back, you are wiser. You have more knowing, you have more trust, you know how to do certain things that will lend the learning to look and feel different each time. Isn't that how you kind of feel with your experience? If you look back each time things have come in, you've gained more. You've, you've been able to use the skills you learned before back in a new way. So you're practicing some of that, some of those skill sets and you come out in a totally different place again. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And the thing that I'm finding is that we might think that there's 999 ways to, to learn or to do or to grow. And the truth is, it's probably only five. If you, if you put them all down, it's like, stop fighting, see the best in the situation, refocus your energy, and then be, and then allow. 
Like, it's like, that's, that's it. Like, it's just like, it doesn't matter what it is. It's stop fighting it, see it differently, allow it to process, you know? It's yeah. the same. And, and I would say like, even in your step one, stop fighting. I see that as, okay, you have awareness, you have resistance, right? So you, you want to fight. What are you, what are you fighting? What are yeah. you so, are you afraid or are you literally wanting to get rid of something or are you wanting something to come in? Like, what is your resistance telling you? And that leads you down the route of all the others. But I totally agree. To me, it's always been simple when the lessons come in, when the learning comes in. Now, I don't mean that it's not challenging and it's not maybe hard work right? Some days, literally, it takes me down to the ground where I am laying flat on myself and saying, this effing sucks, right? Or I'm crying so hard, I can't even breathe. But that's the work. And there's beauty in that. Because I mean, that's to me what surrender is, is just full on board. I get that you're taking me down a path that's going to ultimately get me the outcome I was desiring. And I trust that path. Yeah. Yes. And though the outcome that I was desiring, and then with that, with that little added thing of if it is in my best interest, if it is what spirit wants for me, allowing that tweak of this is what I want, but if you have something better in store for me, let's go with yours. Let's go with your plan. Like that, that subtle on top of what you say that you want, giving that room for growth or room for change. I just was looking down at my notes and, as we're talking about this, I, I don't know who wrote this, um, but it was radical acceptance of the now opens the floodgates and your flow. And that's pretty much all we're saying is like radical acceptance of the now, whatever you're facing, you can't change it in this moment. So how do you want to see it? Yeah. And I think that that's the power. I mean, like Eckhart Tolle talks about the power of now, right? I see now as I've always thought of it as neutrality of wonderment. What if you just sat in the now and just went, huh, okay, I see this. I see something's coming in. I'm not really sure. I don't like it. Acknowledge the fact that it sucks and you don't like it and it makes you pissed off and just acknowledge that. Like sometimes I'm like, I'm angry and I want to be angry and I'm going to stay angry for a little while and I'll figure it out later. Like I, I think that's part of being in the now is just not judging any part of it and just allowing so much. Yeah. Yeah. And a good metaphor for that one is I always say, you don't want to dance in quicksand. So if you if you find yourself in quicksand, get still, mm-hmm. just sit in it. Cause you, if you try to fight it, you're going in deeper. So yeah, if you're angry, sit in it. Yeah. Okay. So dance after your moment, the miracle was that a book comes out of you, right? A story. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It, it was the miracle. And um, so tell us about your book. Okay, so the book is, so let me, let, can, I, can I lead up to the book? Because I Absolutely. think it's important. So first of all, I'm in an island in Thailand. So what does that conjure for you? Like a beautiful scene, right? And it or, was. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Or, or what I'm going to tell you. So, so literally it was my, it was our 25th wedding anniversary, my 50th birthday. And we're, we're here on this Island and we were only supposed to be on the Island for so many days. And my husband was doing scuba diving and, and we, we went during the good weather and it was monsoon 
monsoon, monsoon. So we were literally stranded on this island for our whole two weeks that we were there. We didn't get to leave. Um, the grocery shelves were, were like bare, like, you know, people were having like, like panic of everything. The roads were washed out. And literally for the first three days that I was there, I sat in bed because in Thailand, there were no chairs because we were in an authentic place. And I couldn't sit outside because the mosquitoes were so bad and the rain was so bad. So I was literally like stuck in bed for three days. And I read like this, the book that they have, their version of the Bible was beside my bed called Without and Within, which is a really, it was almost like, these are my words, but it was like Buddhism for dummies. Like it was like the most simple way yeah. to read Buddhism. And I loved it. And then I read this book, Opening to Channel, which I didn't even remember I, re- I, I had read like until months later. So then we fast forward and we get to their part of the island. And my husband like literally had like open wounds on his feet from things that had happened. And we had our, our backpacks on our back and we were walking in waist high water, dirty water, because the cars couldn't get down there. Like, this is what we were going through. Oh my gosh. Okay. But yet it was still great. Like we were, we weren't like upset or anything. And then we got to our next uh, hotel, which again, it's important that I see. So I get in there and the door didn't close properly. The internet was crappy. I was so mad. You know, I, I find my way up to the front desk and I, I really, I, I was really frustrated with, and I'm probably not my nicest self to the young man at the desk. And I said, like, we paid for all of this. Like, this is not right. This is so annoying. And he looked at me and he said, I understand. He said, I can't even get words to the mainland to my family to tell them I'm okay. <laughs> That's like what I call the energetic slap in the face. Whoops. Okay. Wrong thing. Guess yeah. I but, and then the next day, as I sat having a chocolate banana crepe and a tea, looking out at the water with all of the debris and the trees down in my, in the most peaceful state, realizing how lucky I was because he gave me that wonderful dose of reality. And yeah. of course, I, I changed my tune with him just so you know, like I was like, thank you. Yeah. So then yes, this miracle came out and I was literally writing and I don't think of myself. I didn't at least then think of myself as creative. So I was writing words and probably I was writing like, why were you so dumb? Be nicer, stupid, angry. And then I was like, boat, tree, water, plant, tea, coffee, banana, like every word. And I would do that sometimes until I forgot I was writing those words and then stuff comes. And that yeah. particular day, my full book came. And when I journal, I make mistakes. I I write faster than I think, or I think faster than I write. This book of mine, 80%, as as it reads, was perfectly written, not a spelling mistake, not a miss, like not like a, just perfect. It was the freakiest, most wonderful thing. I love it. I love it. I mean, that's amazing. What's, what was the title? Well, it didn't really have a title. And so I read it after and I looked at it, I'm like, well, this is really interesting. I can't, I can't remember anymore, like what my thought was about what it was about. But when my husband came out of the water and he's like, what, you look like something happened to you. Did something happen? And I said, well, yeah, I think I just wrote a book. And he's like, oh my, it's like 30 months. Remember 30 months I've been trying to find myself. I'm like, I think I wrote a book. He's like, oh, here we go. And then I said, well, can I read it to you? And he's like, again, like he doesn't, he doesn't always like this. He's like, fine, like whatever. And I started to read it to Christine. I'd read it three or four times at that point. And it takes about like three or four minutes to read, right? Not like long. And I couldn't, I started to cry. I was sobbing, like there's sucking my, my nose. Like yeah. I was sweating. Was like onboard release of everything you had gone through. Well, and you know, for months that happened every time I tried to read it. So now I know, and it's not always that, that extreme, but when I have a real channeling that I'm that's supposed to get something, 
I'm not able to even read it out loud to anybody without having this meltdown or this body sweating, whatever. And then that's yeah. how I know it's real. Yeah. Well, because I love the way you're starting. You had to, you had to learn, right. That the body has a way of when we channel, we just open ourselves fully to spirit. And it's sort of like a full on surrender of I'm going to get out of the way, work through me. Right. And, and then to have awareness. So, you know, you have to recognize the body. So it makes me laugh because there was one time I was working with a client and I started noticing all of a sudden my nose would start running and I would be in this, like I'm sitting on the couch, she's sitting on a chair and I'm like, I don't even have Kleenexes, but I can feel that my nose is twitching and it's running. And I'm like, Oh, for God's sakes. Oh, you got to stop this. And it was freaking me out. So, okay. I get through that. We, we stop. I, I say, excuse me. I got to go to the bathroom, get a Kleenex. Okay. The next week she comes again. Cause we were working weekly through some heavy duty stuff. It starts to happen again. I mean, it took me three or four time periods of working with her before I finally started like bringing the Kleenex with me. And I just sit it underneath my, my leg. And sure enough, it would start to happen again. And I'm like, damn, what is this? And I'd sit there and start dabbling. And finally, one day she said to me, I know something's going on there. And I finally said, I'm so sorry. I don't know what this is. And then we both looked at each other and instantly I knew what it was. It was, that was my body's, that was to let me know you're on point. Because after that, I started to just trust the channeling coming in and my, my nose doesn't do that anymore. But whenever I don't trust it, my nose starts twitching and it starts to run. It's hilarious. And then I start laughing because I'm like, okay, fine. You're just trying to work through me. I get it now. So it's, I love your example because I think that that's, we're such creatures of not trusting. And that's part of believing in your inner knowing. We're just brought up in condition not to trust. And that's a big part of surrender and living a, living in the liminal and living and unclearing your mind. Like all of that is about trusting, trusting what's within and what's coming. So I love that your body has to show you that by, you know, snot filled crying moments and, and, and full on board physical symptoms that you can relate to so that you trust. Yeah. And the relating to is so important because he's like, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you doing that? I'm like, I don't know. Right. <laughs> I didn't know. And so like, it's for us, those of us who get it. And the other thing that before I went away and the reason why I had that book is like, I'd like to channel. I didn't even know what it was. And I'm like, I, I'm never going to be one of those people who'll be a medium or whatever. And, and the person I was working with, she said, we all can, we all have it. And so so I brought that book with me. And again, I had no idea, like I said, for months later that that's what happened to me. Yeah. But a couple of other weird things. So you asked the title of it. I don't think I gave the title right away. But when I first read it, it's, it's about, it seems to be about grief and loss. It's called I Will Always Love You Now. And it's definitely about grief and loss. But it's, it's focused on hope and love. Yeah. And so then I was scared. I'm like, is this a premonition? Is something going to happen to my children? Am I going to lose someone? You know, like why me? Because at that point in my life, so again, I was 50 and um, it happened on my mom's birthday, which is also interesting. I was 50 years old and six days. And then it happened on my mom's birthday. So there's something I believe to all that as well. Um, but anyway, I just assumed that's what it was about. I, I went on and had it illustrated for grief and loss. 
you know, and for a children's book because it rhymed. And then fast forward 18 months later, mm-hmm. get ready for this. I was in Philadelphia and it was a snowstorm and all the flights were canceled. I got there late. I didn't have a hotel. They finally got me like, like literally like a cockroach infested hotel. Like I'm literal. And I, there was no way to get food in because it didn't have a restaurant and nobody was delivering because the snow was bad. So like I, I went to bed hungry on North American terms because I missed dinner. Yeah. Right. Like I felt so sorry for myself, yeah. oh. kind of like when I couldn't get the internet and I felt sorry for myself that day. And I woke up the next morning and I went into a really bad tailspin and, I, and it was like probably two hours of crying and I meditated and I cried. And, and then I started writing after that kind of like sweaty breakthrough. And it was a totally a letter telling me that that book, I will always love you. It wasn't what I thought it was. It was literally a message from one aspect of me to the me now saying that it was time to move, to leave the person I'd been living for the first 50 years of my life and step into the life that I was always meant to live. And the grief and loss is about grieving and leaving behind that, that thing that I created to get me to that point, recognizing that it was no longer going to serve me. No, no. I think when we move from Okay, I love that story. I just got chills. Because when we can move from serving ourselves and shift into serving source or spirit or the universe, okay, something higher consciousness, it is a transformational moment. It's a pivot that we choose, maybe sometimes unconsciously by things that happen, or maybe consciously. I believe it can happen both ways. But it's a pivot from from literally serving yourself to serving something higher than you, serving the beyond physical reality. And when you do that, you do have to grieve the loss of what you thought. Okay, and this is going to transit trans. It's going to be a segue into this thought nutrition. You have to grieve everything. You have to let everything crumble and grieve your thoughts, your beliefs, your your life in some way, because it's all going to take a different turn. Yeah. Okay. I'm grabbing this because I want to read something to you, but so what you just said is so huge. Just like, so anybody who's listening, who's a, who's a parent, a mother possibly. And you know, when you become a mom and that baby comes out and you, and you look at it and you're like, you instantly, I would die for you. I would die for it. Right. Yeah. But, but you're holding it. You see it. You, you see what it is and now you, you get to serve it. But when, when you step into ourselves, like we're talking about at this point in our lives, we don't know what it is. We don't get to hold it, touch it, but we're birthing something. We're birthing the new us, but it's so, it's so, it has to be the knowing we're birthing the knowing mm-hmm. and we don't get to physically hold the knowing. And so I just want to like some of the lines that came out, which again, from that book, like it's like, um, it was my time to go and I can't explain why, but there was a reason it was my turn to fly. Again, I thought that was about life, but it was about, it was about the person I was before, or realize that by letting me go, you'll give us both freedom more than you know. By letting go of that person that you had taken all this time to build, you'll have freedom. And so that, so that aspect of you, it's like, we're, we're leaving one aspect and, and becoming the knowing of the next. Those are your words. And I think it's amazing. Well, and I, and when you said, when you read that, you know, the things that come to me in terms of like what maybe people are going through in their lives right now are things like death. Okay. When, when I know for me, I'm going to tell this story. 
that I had a cousin who was literally like a sister to me at some point. And she had big dreams about life, but she also had cystic fibrosis. So for her living in her physical body was challenging. And it, you know, I don't think unless you knew what that was like, you understood her physical limitation in that way. And that it literally did keep her. And I think I have always believed this, that the day that she died, she chose to say, I need to let go. I need to go on and be another lifetime to where I can fly. I can be everything I'm supposed to be. This particular life in this way is not working for me. It also, what comes to me when you, when you're reading that was, you know, maybe if you have to leave a relationship, a partnership, a family, a relationship, like spouse, a friendship, sometimes we have to make those choices because what we recognize is we are not serving the higher realms in the way that we are meant to, and that we are serving ourselves in this very egotistical um, human role, like a role that we're playing. We're serving the role. We're serving the ego's way of thinking about it versus serving the, the heart of spirit and letting ourselves just become exactly who we were meant to be in this world. Well, exactly. And, you know, and, and we talk about spirit and we talk about higher self and soul and all of this, but, you know, that, that future wiser aspect of ourselves too. Like when we go into meditation, you sit quiet. Sometimes you can just say like, tell me future me, what's in store for me and, and how to get there with, you know, with the most grace and ease. Mm-hmm. Because a couple of other messages that came, it's like, focus on love and trust and good things. Listen to your intuition and see what life brings. And open your mind and changes you the changes you need. Embrace new directions. See where they lead. Like the adventure of life, you know. And and about said, there's nothing to fear. Like all of those messages came from like I believe my future self, saying like we're yeah. gonna be, just keep keep coming toward me. And the best way to get here is radically embracing your now. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So, okay, you write this book and you start doing this work and, and the work you're doing now is all about helping people see this, this power of what you call thought nutrition. So explain that, define what you mean by thought nutrition. I love the concept. I I know. I love that when we were first talking about thought nutrition, you lit right up. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm so excited. Because like so much right now is about being healthy, right? Being a healthiest, optimal version of ourselves. And I believe that's true. But we've only ever really talked about like food and exercise, right? And so then all of a sudden where we took it was, okay, now there's the spiritual side of you and you need to authenticate that part. Okay, great. What, what nobody ever talks about is I can meditate. Okay. I'm going to use this phrase because I know it's a meme that goes around. I can meditate daily. I can eat vegan, plant-based, all the healthy stuff, right? I can work my body, move my body, and I can still flip people off, scream and shout, cuss people out, think negative, toxic thoughts, condemn myself. That's all about the mind. We never really get to, if you don't have the mind in place along with that other stuff, you're screwed. 
Like it, you can do all that other stuff well, but if your mind is still cluttered with toxic and plain, like what I call toxic warfare, you're not healthy. It's true. It's totally true. And we know anybody who has any practice of meditation or reflection or anything like that, you know, the, the purpose behind it is to raise our frequency, to raise our vibrations. And thoughts have frequency, thoughts have vibration, just like food has nutritional value. So do our thoughts. And so yeah. having positive thought nutrition is like, it's like nourishment for our soul. So it's like, you know, you can, you can work out all day long and then eat junk food at night and then never become healthier, but you might be like one part of you is okay, but it's that, it's that balance. It's that whole self. And so every thought we have is manifesting, it's creating our future. And so we're always moving towards something or away from something. So thought nutrition says that if you knew that your thoughts had nutritional value, would you choose them differently because you choose your food differently? So um, it's, I'm trying to think of his name now. All of a sudden, it's, it'll come to me while we're talking, but the nutritional, the thought, the, the scale of consciousness, David yeah. Hawkins, he talks about that, right? And so in the scale of consciousness, you've got these restrictive thoughts and they all lie on one side of courage and they're at a frequency of less than 200 and that's anger, fear, pride, mm-hmm. um, like all of the things that, that make you feel jealousy, resentment, guilt, they, they restrict you. So those are like junk food for your soul, junk food for your mind. And so it doesn't mean that they can't exist. We need them. We need a we need a balance. We need a variety of everything. But we need to be aware of when they're there. And we need to decide how much of them we're going to allow, how long we're going to allow them, how intense we want to allow them. So that's those restrictive thoughts. And then at Courage, where it's 200, everything becomes expansive. And then that's like joy. Peace, happiness, love, appreciation, gratitude, mm-hmm. you know, fulfillment, those, those expansive, like you say them. And so we need to make sure that as we're aware of our thoughts, that we're in that expansive side as much as, as possible, or that we're, we're moving up that scale. Like you might not be able to go from grief, which is at the very bottom to, you know, complete joy at the top, but you right. can go from grief to anger, to courage, to appreciation. Right. And so that's the idea of thought nutrition. And so we go back to when, when you feel yucky, you're really quite lucky because we've got this amazing personal guidance system and it starts with how we feel. And mm-hmm. Esther Hicks always says, and I love what she says, that like the most important thing you could do in your whole life is care about the way you feel. Because mm-hmm. if you care about the way you feel, you're, you're in tune with, with your core, with your sense. Because whenever you're not feeling good, it means you're misaligning in some way. And that starts with your thoughts. Totally. I just had this talk with, with, um, a friend of mine who was like, you know, lots of stuff going on in her life. And she was like, I'm going to figure it out. And I said, you know what I'd rather you do? I'd rather you feel it out. We spend too much time figuring it out. And what we need to do is shift that into feeling it out, making more decisions from our heart versus our head all the time, because, and bypassing our heart when there are some decisions that have to come from the head. Now we can use the, the head as, I mean, some decisions that must come from the heart. We can use the head for influence, but we've been too out of balance. Don't you believe that? I didn't even know that there was anything other than my head until all this started for me. I only knew wow. it was my head. I didn't understand the connection of head and heart. It was mine was so disconnected. So yes, I agree. Like I agree. And I just, I feel like a lot of people, I think that again, it's a conditioning, right? Because the, the, the challenge for all of us is 
you're not just conditioned by your your close experiences you're conditioned by even the way society the collective consciousness of of what's taking place collectively in our consciousness and those of us who are highly sensitive or empaths which i believe we all have even access to even that is if you're tuned in to something beyond you you're tuned into the collective and the collective can be very fearful and yet, even if you're not, that will have a significant impact on how you think and feel. I think we went through that. Don't you think like when the pandemic and we were kind of shut down, we, you could feel where everybody was on everything. And even, even I know for parts of like my daughter and I would go to certain stores, we could feel the energy different. And, and then we would start like literally listening to ourselves talk different because we were, we were encapsulating something beyond us. Yeah. Do see, does that like, do you see it that way? Is that what you think too? Or do you I, think I, I, no, I see it the same way. And we said, we don't need to figure it out. We need to feel it out. And yeah, I think that's going on. You know, I was speaking with, um, well, we were in, in that group, the healing table. And one day we were talking about one person who was talking, she's like, I'm in my retirement phase. And, you know, I, you know, I want to manifest what I want, but I don't know what I want. And, and, and so how do you manifest when you don't know like what you're going to do when you're done work? And how do you manifest when you don't know where you're going to live? Like, what are you manifesting? Cause you don't even know like what country you might be in. And it's like, and it's like, Oh my gosh, we have to stop manifesting motion. Like actually like where we're going to be and what we're doing and manifest emotion. Well, yes. when I'm retired, I'm going to feel fulfilled. I'm going to feel a sense yes. of joy where I am. Yes. yes. So we're manifesting emotional states, not emotional states where we're physically in something. Well, I think we've thought of attracting, attract, like the law of attraction and manifesting. So many people think that that's objects and outcomes. That's not what it ever really entailed. It was about, are you aligned? Are you vibrating in the frequency you are meant to be vibrating in? Are you emoting, like you said, are you emoting harmony, which is a balance of both? Not, are you emoting, oh, I'm only in joy and I want to manifest joy and I'm going to live in joy. No, because then you're out of balance too. It's about, can I be fully, fully, like a full circle, a whole? Can I be that? And once you are that, you can manifest because you're just then, it's like the magnets, like you were talking about, you were doing the two sides of the same, instead of, you need the opposite. You need right. to have both. Okay, but so what you're saying right now is like we need to be whole. So, so one of my one of my clients was saying that today, but like, you know, I don't feel happy. Like she, she's recently lost someone very dear to her. I like I don't feel happy. And everyone's saying like go into meditation and raise your vibration because I, I I just feel yuckier. Like and so it's like, and so I, I started thinking about that. So let's take back to the scale of um the, the thought nutrition, the scale yeah. of consciousness. Yeah. And the, and the frequency of courage is 200. So think about that as a radio station. And so we're walking around and, and we're actually like, we're like the dial of the radio station. And in order to get like, to be like, have a, to manifest things, you need to be at 300. Let's just say we're playing with numbers yeah. and you're walking around at 170. And so the idea is, well, you know, just meditate to raise your frequency and vibration. People are like, I can't do that. I'm like, no, you're right. You can't, but you can put on a great song. You can put on some tribal music, close the door, like put your blinds down and, and dance to the beat for 15 minutes. You can like, you can play as an instrument. You can go like, you can do anything that makes you feel like you can go hold a baby, hold a puppy. You'll yeah. get to 300. 
You don't have to try. You just have to get yourself where you feel that way. Well, and here's what's coming to me as you're talking. If you think about the heartbeat, right? The heartbeat doesn't go like this. We don't beat like that. The heartbeat goes boom, 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 boom. It's an up and a down. There's a heartbeat. There's a pulse. A pulse goes boom, 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 right? So even in the pulse, there's an up and a down and an up and a down and an up and a down and the flutter. Like if, So if we think about all that, if you have lost somebody and that is your physical lived experience right there and you are in full-on grief, I'm not happy, I'm sad, I'm a little angry, okay, you can be that and have a joyous experience, like you said, turn on some music and dance around, go eat some ice cream, go talk to a friend and go for a walk. Those are joyous activities. You can do both. We have the enormous capacity to feel both sides. And if you feel both parts, then you're in balance and you're in harmony. And we don't have to have one or the other. It's not like if you're sad, go be happy. It's be sad and be happy. I kind of think of it as like looking at a picture, missing the person. So you're experiencing that feeling of missing them and the grief and the, and the sadness, but also remembering the joy of the moment you're looking at and how blessed you were to have those times together. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I say for every five minutes of sadness, you need five minutes of celebration in terms yeah. of your thought, but, but, you know, to be fair, I'm not a grief expert and they've, they've, they've stopped me in my tracks and said, it doesn't always work that way. We're not always ready. And I said, okay, but when you're ready, this is what you need to know. And so you decide your time frame, and you and I just said, but, but recognize that as you're as you're healing, like you know, we just are always we're always called upon to find balance. Mm -hmm. So in the midst of your grief, we are called upon to find balance of something else to balance out that grief. So know that your imbalance will one day become balance as soon as you're ready to start to make those moves. And I think it's important to be consciously aware of staying in that restrictive phase of the thought nutrition, I'm going to be sad for at least five more days. Okay. Just recognize you're there. Just recognize you're there and that's okay. You're making the choice and you have that choice. Nobody needs to condemn your choices. No. You're making a choice. We can choose our thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that's another one of those myths that nobody talks about is your thoughts just aren't rattling around. You get to choose them. And if you don't like it, I always say to my clients, pretend there's a whiteboard sitting in front of you and your thought automatically goes on the whiteboard. If you don't like the thought, erase the whiteboard and put something else up there. That's how quickly it can happen. Yeah, and exactly. And if you go to the grocery store, though, and think about where you are, who you're with, where you're hanging out. Like if you're sad and then you spend all your time in your basement versus if you're sad and you go to a butterfly farm. Yeah, there's a different experience. So, you know, you go to you go to the grocery store and you want you want to have a healthier food diet and you spend all your time in the candy aisle. You're going to put candy in your cart. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if you're feeling like your thoughts aren't, aren't where you want to be and you're staying in a place that's feeding you more of those thoughts, then recognize that's what you're going to get more. So, so you, you know, the sum of you're the, the average sum of the five people you hang around with most. 
you know, if, they, if they're vibrating at 250, you're going to vibrate at 250. If they're 150 or 550, you know, you're going to tend to be towards where they are. And, and I think even to take what you said, well, even to take what you said a little further, you're, you're actually also the sum of the five thoughts that you have more often. Yeah. So like, what are those things that you think about most often? I had this very early on experience in my, my own healing journey, um, where I was sort of like in this space that I can get in this very lucid space where, you know, I can sort of hear channeling, I can hear spirits. One day I was in the space and I had come upstairs to take a little time out. I laid on my bed for a minute and I typically would get into this very lucid space. And I literally heard this ugly, nasty, deep voice go, you stupid bitch, get out of the way. And I was like, it freaked me out. I was like, what is that? And to this day, I believe that was how dark and deep my toxic thought processes were based on my outer experiences at the time that I was in such a small place because that voice then uh, months later got, it still came in with something icky, but it got softer. And now I don't even hear it. So I think we have to really get clear about when you meditate and you're releasing part of the reason why they say, let those thoughts just bypass, just let them kind of float down the river while you're getting still is there's this whole idea of releasing a thought and just letting it go. We don't have to attach a meaning or story or, or something significant to it. Some thoughts we can just say, ah, okay, I'm gonna let it float away. Kind of like a hot air balloon. Just let it float away. It came in, just let it float away. Don't attach it to anything. Don't you kind of like, is that your experience in the work that you do? Yeah, it's my experience. And actually leads me down like a path of a pet peeve because I agree with you. And, and, and you know what the thing is, is like, you know, if you eat too many calories, you're going to gain weight, but it doesn't mean you always know how to stop eating that extra thing or grabbing that or right. And so the yeah. thing that drives me crazy is like go on Facebook or social media and see all these beautiful notes. Just like, let me just say a moment. Christy gave me a tune up last week when we were talking and preparing and this is my result of pulling out some things that Christy pulled out of me. So it wasn't enough that we just had a talk. I, you gave me something tangible to do. And this, this thing is going to become something beautiful. And right now I'm just taking it in. So my pet peeve is that you read a great quote and it's like, yeah, yeah, I want to do that. And then you go on to read another quote or someone cuts you off. So I created this course called I Have a Choice, which is going to become how to make significantly better decisions in 45 minutes or less. And it literally gives people a framework of how to, when, when you're driving and someone cuts you off or you're standing in line and someone bumps into you and cuts in line or break, lets three people in and you just want to like, you've just been pulled off your path because of what something's happened. And it's, so it's actually taking everything we're saying and it's giving people an instant way to re redirect. Yeah. Cause I, I find it great to know these things and crappy because I don't know what to do with them. Right. Right. Well, we've talked I, about it. People need a framework. People yeah, need guidance. Simple framework. A framework. I, I remember one time um, I was watching this movie because, you know, I watch a lot of cheesy movies on um, Hallmark and all that kind of lifetime and all that fun stuff. 
there was one time there was this movie and I, to this day, cannot remember the title, cannot, but I remember the scene. And the scene was the guy and the girl, of course, there's always a guy and a girl, right? But the scene was the guy said to the girl, you think there's something weak in asking for help. And really it is a sign of strength to ask for help. So whether we're asking spirit or con higher consciousness or source, whatever you call it, higher power, or if we're asking a coach or a mentor or, or a teacher of some sort for help, but that is a sign that one, you have increased awareness around, okay, some things are going on. I don't know how to make meaning of this. I need help. That is a sign of courage, strength, and, and in high amount of authentic integrity to understand the, I see these things happening. I'm highly aware. I just don't know how to make meaning. And having someone give you guidance or a framework to, to kind of like you just said what in you and I talking, and, and then you have all these post-it notes. The framework is not this person tells you what to do, but this person helps you to open the doorways that have been available to you all along. You just didn't know. So to increase your inner knowing, you ask for help. Yeah, exactly. And all the information in the world is not going to lead to any kind of transformation if we don't figure out how to implement it or integrate it, like you say, yeah. into our lives. And it's that integration or implementation because there's just so much of these nice things that make sense that don't actually plug in. Like, here's a good example of imagine vacuuming, vacuuming your house. You know, you get up in the morning and, and I don't know, I've got two hairy dogs. So I vacuum like a lot. And so you're going through the whole house and you go through the whole house and you vacuum everywhere only to find out that you never plugged your vacuum in. Yeah. So you've been methodical. You've done every corner. You have it. Like, so you, you've applied yourself. But you didn't plug your vacuum in, so nothing changes. And so this asking for help, this plugging into intuition, this applying a framework consistently is like plugging your vacuum in. It doesn't matter how many times you go through the process if you're not actually plugged into something that's going to give you something more than what you already have. Well, and there has to be a transfer of, I remember when I was teaching and I would say to my students, something has to change. So by something changing, you either need to get rid of something that you had before and replace it, or you need to add to something, but something needs to look different. You can't just keep doing and being the same thing and thinking, oh yeah, it's all, something has to transfer in, in a different way. And, and by doing that, my students, I remember years ago, they got that visually to understand that learning is about the transfer and we've talked about implementation, integration, whatever we want to call it, but something has to come in and there has to look and feel and be different. It can't be the same. That's mm -hmm. how integration is. So if you have a new skill, it has to come in and be a part of then what you do different. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. And so how can people get a hold of your coaching program, your the access to healing table work that you're doing, your books, how do they get in touch with you? Well, they can get in touch with me through my website, which you've got in your notes. It'll be um, on the show notes. Yeah. So through my website's the best way. Send me an email directly. Like I, I answer all the emails that come in. And if you want to have a conversation, we can book a 30 minute call and just 
just see what you're looking for and see if, if I've got what you need. And, and then the I Have a Choice course or How to Make Better Decisions in 45 Minutes or Less is actually a course that for now I'm offering as um like as a freebie sort of to, to promote this better way of thinking. And so yeah. they, the, the access to that also will be in your show notes as well. And I would highly encourage people to take it like, you know, less than an hour of your time and you're going to have something that's super simple that will give you simple, subtle shifts. Every time something kind of triggers you, you have a way back to center. Because here's the thing. This is what I want to say to you too, Christy. You know, how often do you get in your car in the morning and then you, you get ready to go somewhere and you just start driving, but you have no destination? Yeah. Never, right? No. You always have always somewhere to go. Place to go. Mm-hmm. But when somebody throws you off path and you want to redirect yourself, if you don't have that 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 programmed into where you want to go, because remember we're always moving towards something or away from something. If you don't know exactly where you're going, you're going to end up there. <laughs> like you know, you're going to have to change direction. You're going to end up where you're going. If you don't know where you're going, like then then all the defaults of the universe is just going to take you wherever the, the massive energy shift is. Like you were saying earlier, whatever that big thought form is, you're just going to go with the flow. You're not going to be where you are meant to be because you haven't like taken the time to plot out where you want to be. And that's what, that's what I have a choice does. Nice. I love it. Oh my gosh. This has been so great. Thank you so much. I love talking to you. You're welcome. And thank you. Oh my gosh. Okay. As we wrap up, I'm going to ask you our high five questions. No reason to be nervous. I'm just, they're just you didn't warn me about this. They're just silly. Okay. What inspires you? What inspires me when I, when I help somebody and I feel from them, their excitement about what they didn't know was possible. Yes. Yes. I can have them help them see something that they couldn't see that, that just, just takes me off the chart. Nice. How do you have fun? How do I have fun? Um, I love hiking. I love near being near mountains or water. I love watching those movies. I have fun by remembering just to be here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and taking the pressure off of where I think I'm supposed to be. That can be, I mean, I get a lot of laughter sometimes just sitting in the moment and just being like, this life is hilarious. I mean, yeah. stuff that really I shouldn't be laughing about, but it does, it just makes me smile. And I just am like, this is so amazing. My kids are even like, stop being like so positive all the time. But it's because it makes me laugh that like, this has all been orchestrated for us, even this silly little moment. Yeah, exactly. And so that's beautiful. What's one thing you can't live without? Uh, yeah like I mean like air like no that's not what you're asking about water air well I mean it's that's truthful too yeah um I guess like it's that it's that the feeling of hope knowing that um that everything is divine timed and it's it's all in divine order and I can't live without that because without that I can get caught up in all of the things that make me feel less than worthy oh yes yeah. I love that. I'm right there with you, girl. What does freedom mean to you? Freedom means detachment from self-judgment. Freedom mm-hmm. means where I actually get to be who, who I really am without judging the crap out of myself. 
I think the moment when you can sit in all of your fullness and just be like, I kind of like you. And I really think I love you. You know what I mean? Like sitting in ourself like that and really saying that and not, like you said, judging those, you know, parts of ourselves that we've judged in the past. You're this, you're not that, you're this, you're not that. But when you can sit and just be like, girl, I kind of like you. I'd hang out with you and I kind of think I love you. That's just an amazing energy to be in. Can I add a story even though we're almost finished? No, totally. Okay, I had this moment and you just brought like this, this brings me joy. So some, I was at Jack Canfield's about four years ago um, with my book and it was an author's retreat. You know, Jack Canfield, Chicken yeah, Soup for the Soul. Yeah. It was a really cool experience. And we got to have the hot seat, which was being videotaped. Um, actually, the hot seat was a videotape, but then we were getting ready to have an interview with Jack on his channel or whatever he had. Yeah. So someone in the audience took my phone and videotaped me. And it was 50 minutes, like five zero. And I remember looking at it later and it wasn't the most high quality video, but I was watching it to hear the things that they said. And as I watched it, I saw myself not as me. And it was this out of body experience where I was like, I like, I like her. Like, I like how she moves. I like how she talks. I like how she's, how she, I like how she smiled. I had never in my whole life seen myself other than really in a mirror. But when I saw myself up there in this kind of like, grainy video that was my first step to realizing I wasn't nearly as bad as I thought I was yeah not kidding I had no idea that I could like myself yes I mean so I think people should do that do something where you get a video of yourself and you go back and you watch how great you are I know and and I mean we like we I remember Louisa Hay in her books years ago talked about look yourself in the mirror and just be like I like you. I would hang out with you. I love you. This is amazing. Like, and, and I know for me, like I have like a lot of that self-talk that can just be so toxic and about, you know, my body, my hair, my size, my, this, my life, my, for a while I judged my parenting until I realized I kind of think I'm a little good at this. And, And it was not because people kept telling me that because people kept telling me, you're really good at this. And I'd be like, Oh, I don't know. Like, and it was because I felt like isolated on an Island with my parenting because I kept running up against experiences where I was not like the others. And I'm not saying I'm bad and they're good or they're good. And I'm bad. It was just, I started noticing these differences. And I was like, I was just in this toxic vortex of there's gotta be something wrong with me. Like there's gotta be something wrong with me. This is like, what is this about? Am I not a good parent? Because I kind of think my kids are cool and I laugh at them all the time. And I mean, even I had people around me going, you need to discipline more. You need to do this. And I'd be like, no, I kind of think I'm okay here. But it was not until like, finally I had this moment where it was like, I kind of like myself. I kind of think I'm good at this stuff. I think I need to be doing more of this stuff. But until you see it in yourself, it doesn't matter if the world tells you. It's so just, that's disconnected. You know, it is. A mirror work didn't work for me. So I'm glad it worked for you. But so anybody who's listening has done that mirror work stuff. Mirror work is where my evil side comes out. This watching myself interact with another person in a happy way was part of me that I didn't actually ever see before I watched that video. Yeah. Mirror work, it's, it was inauthentic because I didn't believe it. I 
it, I think it has to happen in the way it's supposed to happen. Yeah. For you. So it doesn't matter if you go try a mirror and it doesn't work fine. Then, then try something else. else. Like do it. Look, look at a picture of yourself. Look at yourself on a video. Look at like, you've got to be able to do different things. The mirror work doesn't always work for me, but sometimes it does. Sometimes it's looking at a picture and having to be real about where I'm at in my life. Sometimes it's looking at past videos or listening to myself. I remember early on, I didn't want to listen to myself on the podcast for the first few episodes. And then I went back one day and listened. And I'm like, that's a darn good message. What the heck am I doing? So I think there's all, you got to keep working to find the love that is already within you and access that self in that way. That's so beautiful. Okay. Last one. What are you grateful for? Oh, I'm grateful for so much. I'm grateful for the fact that, um, my, my family, my husband and my kids, especially my, my husband and kids have watched me go through this metamorphosis where I've, I've struggled with so much over the years. And as a family unit, um, They've watched me grow. And in return, I've given my girls the gift of understanding that they're worthy of of you keep going until you find that thing that makes you come alive. So I'm grateful that I've had the opportunity. And for all the people like you and the people who are on that spiritual journey with me, helping us grow and expand it for everybody else. Oh my gosh. Yes. I love how you say you stay on the path until it makes you come alive because Mm -hmm. you know you will know when you come alive fully, you will feel it in every part of your body. It's sort of like electricity running through you. You, you get it. I am alive in this moment. Yeah. And to realize that it's there for all of us. So if you're in a dead end job that you hate and you think that you can't leave your job because there's no way for money to come in and, you know, and and there are times where it's like that, but there is always another side to those scenarios and you just need to work through them and you can, you have to know that it's there for you because it is there for all of us. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show and for being with us today. I appreciate it. This is great. Truly an honor. And my friends, thank you so much for living the liminal with us this week. Um, Please remember who you are. Honor every part about you. You are powerful. You are loving. You are such a beautiful soul. You are teacher and student. So take what you need from today's um, talk and teach it to someone else. Talk it with someone else. And by all means, just be the beautiful soul that you are. I love you. Peace out, my friends. First of all, thank you so much for being here with us in this moment and today. If you enjoyed the show, leave a comment and a rating. We would really appreciate it. Or email me at christy at christypeck.com. We love to hear your insights and your wisdom. If you have any questions about today's show, we provide for you the show notes. You can always email me at christy at christypeck.com or this really other cool feature on Anchor, if you're listening on Anchor app, you can leave a voice comment or question. Our intention has always been to provide a sacred space for inspiration, story sharing, inner wisdom, divine intelligence, and celebration. We want to alchemize a movement for love and authenticity, and we believe the world will rise to meet the calling. In addition to this show, there are additional ways to get the help and support you may be looking for to live in peace, joy, and freedom, please check out my website, www.christypeck.com, 
for the many ways to work with me. I am always available by Christy at christypeck.com. Email me and I will help you get the resources that you need. Remember who you are, live the liminal, fiercely love you and your life and choose peace, joy, and freedom every day.